The uh, title of the message this morning is simply Christmas, and I, uh, when the pulpit disappeared, I began to sweat because I, I am not familiar with this, but I, considering the cantata and considering Christmas, I, I like the way the cantata went from before Christ to Christ, the cradle, the cross, and the crown. And I appreciated that message because sometimes things get pretty complicated around Christmas time. I know this year Cindy baked cookies, these cutout cookies, and, and we uh, decorated them, which is going to be a project. The two of us sit there and we decorate cookies. It was going to be simple, right? Just a frosting on these cutout cookies. There was nothing simple about our, our decorating. Uh, sinful, maybe, but not simple. Um, And uh, coming home from church, often I would see pieces of little fabric spread out all over the floor, and it was going to become a quilt. That was not simple, taking all of those and putting, it was complex. And much of Christmas is complex. But this morning, my desire is to make it simple enough so that children can understand it so that we can explain it to them. And so as I've uh, done this, uh, I know that there's much complexity, even in the Christmas story. All of these moving pieces from Genesis chapter 315 right on through the entire story of Christ and redemption in the Bible was complex, but I want us to see that it can be simple, and I want it to be simple. I think that most everybody senses that there is uh, something mystical about Christmas. Whether is, uh, usually we attribute it to a time that we can spend with our families a- at home. And so that makes it great, a great time. Or maybe it's the glittering snow. Maybe it's the decorations. Maybe it's the cookies. Maybe it's the food. Maybe it's the time off. Maybe it's presents. So we all know that Christmas is special. But... Uh, that there's something wonderful about Christmas, but not everybody believes that it has to do with Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1, 21, it tells us that, that because of the darkness of mankind, they glorified him not. Their foolish hearts had been darkened. They had been hardened in a couple verses later. And so the simple message of Christmas is too simple for those that have darkened or uh, hardened hearts. I want us to remember three words when we leave this morning. Uh, The first word is lost. The second word is light. And the third word is life. Three words to describe Christmas. And they're seen in uh, not, not these particular words, but that message is seen in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And I want to read this verse, and you can follow along if you can. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. This is what it says. And she shall bring forth a son. So now you know. You've already, you already know this verse. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, or Savior, That's what his name means. For he shall save his people from their sin. This is a a, a condensed message or a simplified message of Christmas. 
Three words, lost, man's condition. Light, God's provision. Life, man's salvation. Simple. Now, it's not easy because it called for the Son of God to come and enter this world, to live, to become like us, to endure what we go through, and to die on the cross and to be raised again from the grave. So it's complex, but simple. Lost. The story of man's condition. It says here in verse uh, 21, save from sin. That's, that's why you know, we are lost. In darkness, I like to consider it. Uh, uh, maybe you've been lost. It is worse when you're lost in darkness, isn't it? I've been lost out in the woods or out in the mountains when we've been hunting in Montana. And that is scary when you say you turn every way. You don't know which draw you, you went up or which mountain you're heading to. And, and you, my heart would begin to panic. But it was worse when the sun began to set. Lost in darkness. The Bible describes it as wickedness. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, not just wicked, desperately wicked. And there's none righteous, no, not one. Yes, we are lost. We are helpless. We know we're lost, but there's no way we can fix it. Uh, If you're out in the woods and you're lost and you have no idea how to find home, uh, you're helpless. We can't cleanse ourselves. We know we're, uh, sin has made us dirty, yet we cannot cleanse ourselves. For though thou wash with nitre, Jeremiah says, or soda, and take thee much soap, thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. We can't cleanse ourselves. Nobody can. No matter how good you are, no matter how much good you do, you cannot cleanse yourselves. You cannot free yourselves. John 8 34 says, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant or slave of sin. We're spiritually dead. Ephesians 2 1 says, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we are spiritually dead even though we walk until we see Jesus. We are helpless and hopeless. Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And by death, it includes disgrace and despair. And all sin leads to the city of despair. And disease and death, the wicked shall be turned into hell, David said in Psalm 9. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so we, that is man's condition, lost, in dark. Second word, light, God's provision. Begins right away in Luke chapter 1, before we get to the Christmas story. In Luke 1, 79, says Jesus was going to come to give light to those who sit in darkness, lost. And he's going to bring light to lighten the Gentiles in Luke chapter 2. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. And he knew that even before he came into the world. So light is God's provision. 
I am God's provision for your lostness. God sent his son. It was promised back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he was going to send someone that would destroy or defeat Satan and defeat death. And he came at the right time. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son into the world, uh, uh, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law so that we could be called the adopted sons. So uh, we, God's provision is light. He sent his son. Why would he send his son? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He was sent to die from cradle to the cross, as we heard in the cantata. I love the, and there are several pictures that are drawn. Artists have painted these pictures of the manger scene, uh, a beautiful manger scene, and, we, uh, and across the manger scene, falling right across the cradle, is the shadow of a cross. Even as a, a baby, Jesus came to die on the cross. And so uh, uh, he died to redeem. So there's man's condition, lost. There is God's provision, light. Then there is man's salvation. It says he will save his people from their sins in verse 21. The Christmas story started in the heart of God. But it is complete only when it reaches the heart of man. Only when it reaches your heart is the story, Christmas story, complete. The greatest gift, the unspeakable gift, Jesus, because he came to give everlasting life. Along with Jesus is everlasting life. Cannot be a greater gift than that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved and shall pass from death into life yesterday had a funeral and that individual passed from death into life the greatest gift that he could ever receive was Jesus Christ because God's great gift sets us free read an account, a story of Charles Wesley back in 1738. He became so sick that uh, they thought he was going to die and they had to carry him wherever he went as he was recuperating. He was 27 years old. Charles Wesley. Charles and his brother were, uh, John, were uh, very religious, yet without Christ. They fasted, they read their Bible, they sang hymns, they visited the poor, they led meetings for the religious society and th that they had founded. And so they were called the Methodist. But still, Charles didn't know Jesus. And so uh, when he had recovered, he was walking down a street, and a friend of his said, Charles, I thought you had died. And he said, well, I haven't. And this friend gave him a copy of Luther's uh, commentary on Galatians. And uh, Charles began to read that and realize that God sent his son Jesus to die for him to set him free, not to bind him. And so uh, 
he began, he, it, it says that on May 21st, 1738, 27 years old, he got down on his knees and he said, the spirit of God chased away the darkness of my unbelief. And now I found myself at peace with God and rejoice in hope. I saw that by faith I stood. He was transformed. So he began to go uh, every day to the prisons there in uh, London. And he went to Newgate Prison. He said, I visited one of them in his cell, sick of a fever, a poor man that had robbed his master. I told him of one who came down from heaven to save lost sinners and him in particular. I described the sufferings of the Son of God, his sorrows, agony, and death. He listened with eager astonishment. The tears trickled down his cheeks while he cried, What? Was it, was it for me? Did God suffer all this for, poor soul, uh, for so poor a creature as me? And for days, Charles visited those prisoners there on death row allowing himself to be locked in the stinking gloom to witness and pray with the wretched felons. Three days later, one of them, his friend, was converted. And as execution day approached, one, day after, an, one after another of the men were saved until their prayer meetings took on an air of fervent relief and great joy. On the morning of the hanging, the condemned were chained to a death wagon and drawn slowly to the gallows at Tyborn Field. Charles fought his way through the jeering crowds and climbed into the wagon. In spite of the rotten fruit and mockery hurled by the cruel crowd, he prayed with his poor friends and encouraged them from the Bible. Charles kissed each man as a noose from, uh, as a noose from the overhead scaffold was placed around their necks. He nodded gratefully at they nodded gratefully at Charles and struggled to fix their eyes on Jesus and rest in their new faith in spite of the fear that made them tremble. Wesley said, as often as my friend's eyes met mine, he smiled with the most delightful, composed smile I ever saw. The crowd grew silent as Charles sang these words. No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. When the cart began to draw off, not one of the men cursed or screamed, as lost men usually do. Think of it, straight from the song of Wesley to the hymns of heaven. Charles spoke of Christ to the now sober and silent gathering before they dispersed. He wrote, I was full of peace and confidence for my friends. That day under the gallows was the most blessed day of my life. Simply Christmas. Simply Christmas. It makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning, not before a baby in a manger, but before the Savior of the world. We come because we were lost. We come because you sent light. We come because you have given us life. And I pray if there is one here that has not received that life that you've offered, 
Maybe this morning they've seen the light from the cantata and realized that Jesus was more than a baby in a manger, that he did have to die on the cross. But someday, even now he sits on the throne, but someday that throne will be set up upon this earth and you will rule and reign on that throne. And we will be your subjects, we will be your children, children of God, loved by you. I pray that those individuals that have never placed their faith in you might do that this morning. And if you're here and, or listening and watching and you have not done that, I pray that right now you would pray and cry out and say, uh, even to Jesus, not out loud, but to Jesus, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm bound for hell. But I believe you died on the cross for me, to save me, to redeem me, so you could adopt me and make me a child of God. So thank you for dying for me. I place my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.